2: Black talking all things financial money investing more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Show is kind of, you know, about money and finance and insurance and investing and things that you need to do better, things that you've done okay, but times have changed a little bit. So on occasion I cross over into inappropriate areas. I hope. I like to try to keep things as simple as possible for you. Like if I already tried to talk to you about stocks. There's some ideas of really simple. When When you buy shares of a company, you become a shareholder. And they give you a certificate that says you're a piece of the ownership circle. It's kind of that simple. Now, it does get complicated when you start going like, why doesn't the stock always go up? Why doesn't the stock uh, always make me money? Why can't my stock be like Facebook or like Apple? The world's most expensive stock that I can find right now is probably Berkshire Hathaway at $200,000 plus a share. It doesn't matter how expensive your share is. A lot of people make really big mistakes, and I would refer to them as not rookies, but um, simpleton mistakes. Where if you'll come up to me at a seminar and go, tell me, I'd like a $3 stock. Do you have any $3, $4, $5 stocks? So I'm like, why? And they will say something insane like, well, it has a bigger chance of being a home run for me. And there's no difference between a $300,000 stock and a $3 stock. Clearly, if one costs 300000 you want it to go to 600000 over the next 7.2 years. But if one costs $3, you want it to go to $6, year 6 bucks over the next 7.2 years. Now, I can see how your imagination could ruin that. And going smaller is easier. You know, if you're a 10-pound a weakling, it's pretty easy to become a 15-pound weakling. But to go from... 10,000 pounds to 15 like that that might be more difficult I could see how people would think that but it's the number of shares outstanding when talking about stocks there's a simple concept like rule number one don't lose money rule number two don't forget rule number one when you start losing money it upsets you and you you say now is not the time for me to be investing you know I the game is getting rigged against me it's not you just feel that way The pros and cons of owning a stock, it's positive like when the company's profitable. I like to write down four or five reasons why I like a stock. Is the company earning money, is one of them. Is the company sharing that money with me with dividends where it pays me every 90 days just like it pays their CEO every two weeks? Is the stock price generally moving up or down? That's a positive, right? So uh, can they continue to grow their wealth? Once there was a time when Coca-Cola was just Coca-Cola, and then they started doing Diet Coke and Dr. Pepper. Well, they didn't do Dr. Pepper, but they started doing all these other alternative beverages. So negatives on a company are sometimes the reasons to sell a stock. Or almost the exact reasons why you bought the stock. But opposite, right? If the company is struggling to keep their share price moving up, that's a bad sign. If the company's not successful to earn money, the stock can fluctuate, right? So sometimes you could lose money pretty quickly in a stock. And it does feel like a psychological, oh, I can't believe that just happened to me. And it did. So um, that's why you have to try to limit it in the first couple of years. So people like myself will say things that are like, oh, once you have $100,000, you should go buy one individual stock. The amount of people that will actually do that, <clears throat> I understand, are like maybe 10%. People will come up with reasons not to, right? But... People lose their head. They'll, they'll get caught up in the, the whole game of how can I become wealthy? Like the, I see the people on TV, or I see, you know, stock traders buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. And you see the the exaggeration of it all. So just be careful. That's a negative on stocks is when you lose money. It, it changes your psychology on 401ks and everything else. One of the toughest parts about money is putting together all the pieces. And I just talked a little bit about the pieces of stocks and what that means to me and maybe ultimately kind of what it means to you. One area that you have to kind of master and this is probably my least favorite is the budget. That's that monthly plan whether it's January or February or March The gray months, as I like to call them. But mastering it, you know, you you have to start looking at your budget first and foremost. Step one, what's your salary? Step two, what's your spending? Step three, start writing some of the stuff down. Step four, break the spending into categories. For most people, a budget can be something pretty simple. 50% of your money should go into things that you absolutely essentially need. 20% should go into either your debt or your savings for the future. 30% could go into flexible issues. But keep in mind, I just gave you a pie of 50% essentials, 30% flexible issues, 20% financial tools where you pay off your debt or you invest. And that's not really the truth about your profits, right? Because your earnings get taxed. And you got to make sure you pay the taxes. So this is all after-tax dollars. 50% go into the essential stuff like cars, transportation, food, shelter. 30% goes into flexible issues like eating out, charity donations, shopping. You don't have to do well. I guess you don't have to do any of those, right? So that's a budget, and then inside your budget, you can start looking at things where you go back in time and go, "Okay, I didn't get enough money put in my financial properties. You know, my debt to my investments, but I did have a Starbucks latte at three dollars a day. That's a thousand ninety-five dollars a year, or tap water." two or three dollars a day or a thousand dollars a year so now the tap water does cost money but not nearly as much money as a plastic bottled water and I've seen people get really creative with their you know their budget by getting water at work you know things like that and I'm not saying water your yard while your neighbor's away not a bad idea but that doesn't make for a good neighbor does it so but uh yeah so that's talking about budgeting. So that segment I talked stocks and talked budgeting. I could talk paying for college, I could talk student loans, uh, liquidity. You gotta understand all, just a couple concepts on finance and you'll they'll take you far. I'm Rob Circle all things financial money investing and more.
3: I'll sit in silence for the rest of my life if you like.
1: Now, chatting with Coach Sendek, your Santa Clara Broncos basketball report.
2: It's now time for checking with our partners at Santa Clara Basketball for this week's chat with Coach Sendek. Here's the voice of the
4: Broncos,
3: Anthony Passarelli, with Coach. We're here with Santa Clara Men's Basketball Coach Herb Sendek for our weekly chatting with Coach Sendek segment, brought to you by Heffernan Insurance Brokers. Heffernan Insurance, because you're different. Heffernan, proud partner of Santa Clara Athletics and Coach Broncos have been on this uh, elongated homestand and starting to get some results, starting to maybe play a little bit more together as a team, and starting to find some things being successful. As the coach, what have you seen that has improved in this time home?
4: Well, I think we've improved tremendously in the short season so far. But would also tell you we have a long way to go, and we're consumed with getting better every day. I mean, two of our four
3: uh, daily goals are to learn and to improve. On the floor, free throws have have been getting better. I'm interested in what you see as, as having improved.
4: I hesitate to identify any one or two things to the exclusion of others. I think we've had individuals grow and get better, and we've we've gotten better as a team. We're a much better team today than when we started the season on November 9th. And it's not just one or two areas, it's many areas. But, you know, having said that, you know, um, nobody knows better than us that uh, we're chasing perfection, hoping to catch excellence and consumed
3: with improvement. Everybody knows there are a lot of different components to a program, not just the head coach, not just the starting five. Assistant coaches is something that we don't talk about all that much, although they're a, an incredibly important uh, component to the program. You started as an assistant coach. So, what are the key things that you look for in an assistant coach? And then I wanted to ask you a little bit about the two new assistants that you have.
4: We look for guys who are the complete and total package, guys with great character. Guys who can lead and teach, men who can communicate, guys who know the game, um, and obviously guys who can effectively recruit, as well as administer all the other countless aspects of a college basketball program, and we've been fortunate through the years to have great staffs, many of whom have gone on to be stellar head coaches, and I feel like the
3: group we have right now is um, just tremendous coach Garson and coach Madry kind of different personalities but uh, they each bring their own special thing to the program how about coach Garson
4: yeah, well, you know, Coach brings a wealth of experience, including head coaching experience, which inevitably gives you different insights and perspectives. Um, you know, he's coached at the highest levels. He's coached at various levels. You know, the same with Coach Madri. You know, he's a local guy, you know, very strong on the West Coast, does a great job teaching and connecting with our players, as all, all our coaches do. We, we have just a tremendous
3: staff. All right, Coach, as always, we appreciate your time and uh, look forward to watching the Broncos through the holidays. Thank you. All right, listen to our chat with Herb Sendik every Wednesday at 820, brought to you by Heffernan Insurance, specializing in business and personal insurance, financial services, and employee benefits. Find them at heffins.com. In
2: the venture capital could be one of your friends saying, you know, look, I know a guy who is looking for $100,000 so he could start up his own Popeye's fried chicken. It could be venture capital, like you give your money to a, a, a VC who goes out and hangs out at Sand Hill and tries to have boy meet girl in the world of investments. Venture capital. So below that level of risk, though, is is probably real estate stocks. Mutual funds, index funds, bonds. Keep in mind, real estate has a added component of risk when you don't buy it on the stock market. You can buy real estate on the stock market. And if you want hundred shares of office properties, you can get a hundred shares of office properties. And you're done. And that's where the stock market kind of beats the mortgage market or the real estate market that's tied towards investments. You don't have that 30-year mortgage or that 15-year mortgage or that seven-year balloon. And some people would say, "Exactly, you're using other people's money. Leverage on the way up is wonderful. Leverage on the way down is crushing. And then below, so far we've kind of hit two levels of, of risk and reward. Venture capital, very, very high on the of risk. Beneath that, you hit real estate, stocks, mutual funds, index funds, mutual bond, mini bonds, corporate bonds. And beneath that level, you hit treasury bonds. The U.S. treasury, or you're like, like, like those E-series bonds that grandma had or something like that, war bonds, and you're like, yeah, exactly. Not that many people are buying treasury bonds until they're in their fifties or sixties. And again, that's kind of an overstatement by me. And I'm just saying it's nice for the U.S. government to say, okay, if you give us money, we'll give you 2% back over the next 10 years or 2.8% back over the next 10 years, each year for the next 10 years, you get 2.8% interest. That's not bad. Cause you know, the U S government has kind of had this history of, paying you back. Now, if you're buying treasury bonds, your, your risks start not to necessarily become, do you get your principal back, but does your rate of interest that you get the yield, is that keeping up with inflation? So even though the principal is at very low risk with the treasury bond, the rate of inflation could be the risk factor for you. You want your money to keep up with inflation, Right. So now beneath the treasury bonds, the world of the risk pro- profile ladder, or in this case pyramid, the base of risk, the safest areas to be are probably cash. within reason, some Bitcoin enthusiasts or cash very chief. Not looking for that. Um, a CD, certificate of deposit, which I know when I said CD, you're thinking compact disc, compact disc. Should I get a compact disc? Your bank savings account or your credit union saving account, both insured up to $100,000 plus. And not a big history of bank accounts, savings or checkings or credit union accounts. Not a big history of collapse in the United States where your money went bye-bye and you never saw it again. So that's that's sad. That's your risk to reward pro, uh, pyramid. So again, the more re- risky you want, the more reward you want, you kind of have to couple these things. I don't mind down markets. I've forever seen myself as 20 years old, and it's not realistic, right? But from an investor standpoint, that's great, because I've been willing to expose myself to more long-term risk and long-term rewards, where the risk on like stocks is probably a little bit higher than... Like a one-year period or a two-year period, but over a four, five, six, seven, eight, ten-year period, the reward's there, and you lower your risk profile. And again, I do see myself as younger than I actually really am, and that's that's a good thing in the investment world, but to be realistic, as I'm getting older, I'm also saying, where's the X at? What's my dollar amount? So risk versus reward, you got to see where you are, where you want to get to. Uh, you do not want to be thinking about you know, best investment ideas when you're 65 seventy. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing more.
1: are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Don't mess with the United States government. Facebook has been accused of violating a consent decree, a misstep that would likely carry a multi-billion dollar fine several times in the last year. There's a big New York Times report, which is alleging Facebook maintained improper partnerships far more recently within a huge number of companies and knowingly and as Facebook continues to suffer security breaches, increasingly detailed user profiles stored across widespread networks and shared amongst companies leaves you vulnerable. So we'll see where this one goes, but it's been a bad year for Facebook. Some analysts say it'll be a good year for Facebook next year because it's lost a lot of valuation, yet it hasn't lost a lot of eyeballs. Facebook allowed tech companies to view private messages and contact information as recently as this year. Facebook allowed the third parties access to other data like lists of friends and email addresses. Companies like Microsoft, Yahoo, Spotify, and Apple had special agreements with Facebook that let them access this data. That's just not good. Can it still be a good company? We'll see. Usually someone has to go down. Elsewhere, Nike is always in the news. It's an athletic wear giant. They've fallen 16% in the fourth quarter so far. The slide is the stock now has, it's trading at about a 20% discount to the street's consensus price target of about $87. I own shares of Nike, for the record. Um, but during a late September conference call, about a month into the quarter, management said it, it had some uh, issues with currency, neutral revenue growth of about 9% with gross margins widening in for fourth quarter levels. So some analysts see a stock going as high as $100. Uh, one analyst today said, "Buy Nike in the earnings. Nike sales are gaining momentum, and the company is gaining market share across channels and geographies. Shares of Nike are in sharp contrast to Under Armour. Shares of Nike, whose uh, shares have actually done pretty well in 2018, uh, about 14 um, percent, but Under Armour's a mess. But the stock looks more attractive than Under Armour. So, kind of interesting the way the market gives you these fresh little takes every day, huh? 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We'll talk about some predictions, obviously, because that's what you do this time of the year. GE was a horrible company this year, and a lot of people are saying the same thing they said last year. Maybe next year will be the time when the company ultimately gets things right. Doesn't sound very promising, does it? So... Not in my world, at least. So anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Today is probably the most important day of the year. I know you're saying, right? For what it's worth, I think it really is the most important day of the year for stocks. Ultimately, you have a Fed Open Market Committee policy decision coming out at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So you still have the markets open for a couple more hours after that. You get the conference call as well. And most of the people who are on the Federal Reserve, they're not academics per se. They're actually people who have worked for companies like Pemco. It's the most market-heavy group of bankers ever in the Federal Reserve's history. So they all have experience. And they're all probably eyeballing the stock market going, what's the stock market telling us about inflation? There's not a lot of inflation. What's it telling us about growth? Growth would create jobs, and that could create inflation, wage inflation. So, but what the market's telling us is that something's something's going to slow down. So, does the Fed stick to their guns today, or do they say we believe in, in the market, in the bond market, that people are slowing things down for us? Interesting, right? So, today at two Eastern, eleven Pacific. The market's going to make a move, probably for the rest of the year, in that direction. I know you're saying, really? Well, there could be some trade China issues that, you know, would move us in a different direction. But ultimately, this is a big one. It's the last time the Fed's meeting this year, and we'll probably talk a lot about next year. And if they're talking a lot of, you know, uh, dots when they have to raise interest rates, that's going to be a problem. So FedEx had earnings warnings all wrapped up like a nice Christmas present for us, as did Micron. So the earnings that we're seeing right now are predicting bad things for next year, slowing down. So we come back to the Fed again. Are they going to hear the markets? Are they going to hear the FedExes and the Microns? Two very big companies, one obviously a semiconductor company that goes into all types of computers with their memory that they make. And the other, obviously FedEx, delivered a lot of packages worldwide. And when business is good, we tend to send more packages. So there's some people who will actually look at uh, corrugated paper and they will see, is it? are we selling more or less of it year over year? And that's how they'll make their investment decisions. Because typically, if you uh, everything comes in a box, right? Now, that's not it's a little bit too simple for me. That would be the end of the show. I'd say, hey, everyone, it's Rob Black in your money. Um, all you got to do is pay attention to paperboard. And you're like, really? Well, I'm not listening to you again. It's, it's back to that Sarah the Midget guy. I know you're saying you're picking on midgets. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, this guy is tiny. He's so tiny, he fits, He sleeps in a batch book box. Um, I know you're saying, are you being a bully? I'm not. He's that tiny. It's freakish. It's a big question right now. will be: the, um, What does the market do today? Will it go negative because of a soft rate outlook? Or will it go positive because of a soft rate outlook? Will we go negative because higher interest rates, or will we go higher? Higher interest rates, in theory, means there's more growth coming. Lower interest rates typically means we're slowing down the growth. So it's kind of going to be bad news either way. If you're pessimistic, if you're optimistic, you'll find the good news in it. So the Fed could possibly press ahead with rate hike today, but take a dovish hike. Then that would seemingly accomplish what it needs to accomplish. I know you're saying this is a lot of talk about a group of bankers. It feels that way to me, too. So, risk on, risk off. Danielson. on, wax on, wax off. Oh, Mr. Miyagi, why am I painting your whole house again? Uh, not my favorite movie. Not my favorite movie. So, strength in energy material, consumer discretionary communication services, weakness in real estate utilities, and information technology. Energy's been a real drag. You know, yesterday I, I talked about oil under 50. But also, I talked about gasoline at $2 in eight states across America. And a Texas gas station buck sixty five. Now, I don't know if they're selling chicken wings or something else to make up for the discounted gas, but holy mecca. Again, not necessarily a good sign to see cheap gasoline. So, Facebook in the news for sharing information. Is that something you want to buy or sell? Elon Musk got on to one of the morning shows this morning the one with Gail King, and uh, showed her the sneak preview of the tunnel from Boring Company. It's about 1.1 miles underneath the ground, or it's 1.1 mile of track right now. So it's not very far, but it's cost $10 million plus to build. Some people say it's got, got cost as much as $40 million. On one end of the tunnel, it starts in a parking lot owned by Musk's SpaceX. So he's doing it kind of in his own little area, and then a mile away, he can zip through a... Tesla Model X. Elon took the wraps off the vision today. It was pretty epic. So if you go watch the video, it's kind of like, I'm not going to say a future of of transportation, but kind of a future of transportation, right? Musk founded the boring company two years ago after complaining that traffic in LA was causing him to basically go nuts. So engineers and workers have been born the 1.14-mile tunnel along underneath one of the main streets in Hawthorne, California. One of the tunnels starts in a parking lot owned by his SpaceX. The other end of the demonstration tunnel is in a neighborhood about a mile away in Hawthorne. So you don't have to deal with traffic in that 1.1-mile stretch. Kind of maybe, yes. Kind of maybe not quite. Um, but anyway, it's out there. So we got that to kind of look forward to, right? Just in time for the busy holiday season, Popeyes has got you covered. They're offering flyers, its own brand of comfort and reassurance, in the air with its launch of an emotional support chicken. Are you kidding me? So if you go to a Terminal C of Philadelphia International Airport, you can purchase the high-flying fowl, a fried chicken meal and a specially designed chicken-themed carrier box, it's 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 all for a good laugh, right? An emotional support chicken. Please tell me it's for a good laugh. Please tell me I'm not going to fly this holiday season, and someone next to me is going to have a, a, a chicken that clucks. Because emotional support animals, emotional support animals have been in the news big time in 2018. Um, there's been reports of peacocks, squirrels, pigs. So airlines are now starting to crack down on the barnyard in the, the bus in the air. And I, I say, about time. Tighten the leash. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, in more.
4: See, we ain't got no swing except for the rain and the crunch of things. The ice is coming. The sun's zooming in. Meltdown expected. The wheat is good Engines stop it But I...
1: Black dot Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. to move. And I don't feel
2: GE has said they're spinning off their healthcare unit in an IPO. The stocks moving big. The man who called GE. A horrible stock for 10 years now sees positive things going ahead. Those are two signs that the company is fixing their problems. Now, do I want you to have a whole bunch of stocks that are fixing problems? I call that a kennel, dog with fleas. You don't want to have a whole kennel of dog with fleas. But there's certainly nothing wrong with speculating. If you're going to speculate on a Lottery ticket, it's like speculating on a company that hopefully does the right things to turn themselves around, and it's painful to spin off an IPO unit. So that's out there. Um, I think it's kind of a big story. Elon Musk got on one of the morning shows today, the one with Gail King, and showed off the boring tunnel. And the technology looks super cool. The idea sounds super cool. The problem is, it takes a long time to build tunnels under the ground. So, it's something that I can't invest in. I know, I know they're not really looking for money right now, per se, from people like me. Um, but it's it comes back down to that horrible, horrible uh, Tom Hanks movie, um, where. Life is like box chocolates. It's, and then someone would say, Hey, Forrest, Forrest, that's a great story. That's a great story, Forrest, but uh, you tell it so well. And you don't want, again, too many story stocks. You don't want a dog with fleas or you'll have a kennel. It's okay to have one, uh, but you don't want a kennel. And you also don't want story stocks where, yeah, the story of of Hyperloop technology looks awesome. Building tunnels, awesome. Solving traffic problems, awesome. Just not there yet. That's what I have to say. I'm sticking with it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Some interesting stuff on retail. 2018 wasn't a bad year for retail stocks even though You would have thought maybe it had that potential setup, right, because of Amazon. The focus on the negative is unfortunate as 2018 goes down in the history that companies like Walmart and Target can beat Amazon and compete with Amazon. Both of them vastly improved their mobile shopping experiences and big sales gains on smartphones. You saw good data come out on Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales for retailers. Inventory looks good for retailers right now. It's nicely controlled. Not a lot of markdowns. When you get the emails from your clothing retailer of choice, and let's say it's Banana Republic, and Banana Republic's like, hey, just for you, 50% off. That is a problem. That is not a blessing. That is a curse. Now, you may go, but I like 50% off. I get it but it, it tells you that something's bad happening. Consumer spending is likely going to slow in 2019. It's going to hurt the retailers. So know that going forward, that maybe part of their competing against Amazon has been a healthy economy. Credit costs will go up because we've seen companies borrow egregiously in the bond market. And as interest rates tick higher, you got to pay more money. I want my money... Give me my money. I love when people freak out over money. Um, So a lot of people are talking about a recession. But no one's really talking about a recession in 2019. They're thinking more like 2020. Will Amazon buy Kohl's this year? Will the second quarter tax check come in creating a spending boom? As people didn't change their taxes, now they're getting a tax cut they go to file their taxes, or are we going to have that, you know, extra money coming back to the economy? Amazon's been kind of goofy recently about opening stores, and you're like, that's kind of interesting. How serious do they get in 2019? 2019 will probably be a year where Sears and Kmart die. What was that horrible song? Everybody dies, dies, everybody's going to die, die. Um... So Sears is finally going to die. It's, it's going to be like that, that Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, where Buffy kills one of the vampires, and it's it's a prolonged seven or eight minute death scene. Or will Sears go out with a whimper and just be gone? I think he continues to see J.C. Penney store struggle. I think Amazon does something smart like buy into Coles. Home improvement stocks should start to turn over if the housing market starts to turn over. With that said, maybe that's your time to buy if you like some companies. Gap is think about closing hundreds of stores across the country. So you can talk all retail if you want it to, like all the time. I don't know if that'd be entertaining for you, but you certainly could. Hey everybody, it's Rob Black in your retail sector update. Hold on to your hats right eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 1220 FedEx shares down 20 uh, no, 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 10% company has cut forecast warning of economic slowdown they're a pretty good tell EBS is forecast in bricks and mortar stores can still deliver about 1% of sales gains annually, assuming US retail sales overall keep climbing at a rate of about 3% so the retail apocalypse not happening Kmart, once again, looks bankrupt. Looks to Eddie Lampert for an encore bid to save it. Again, do we really need to save Kmart and Sears? Or let them die a slow death? Or do they go out quicker? Overnight, do the moving trucks come in and move us everything out? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. the
4: night that he was with, they were two more friends of mine, two more friends of